Today's first scripture reading comes from Habakkuk, uh, chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. Though the fig tree does not blossom, and there is no fruit on the vines, though the yield of the olive fails, and the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, and there are no cattle in the stalls, yet I will choose to rejoice in the Lord. I will choose to shout an exultation and the victorious God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, my source of courage, my invincible army. He has made my feet steady and sure, like hinds' feet, and makes me walk forward with spiritual confidence on my high places of challenge and responsibility. Our second scripture reading comes from Peter, chapter 1, verses 8 through 9. Although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy. For you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I will rejoice is the name of our um, sermon this morning. Yet I will rejoice, yet I shall rejoice in whatever God has planned for me. As we prepare to go into our sermon this morning, let us bow our heads and open our hearts and our spirits so that we can receive what God has planned for us this morning. Amen. Yet I shall rejoice. Life happens, as one of my friends will would love to say at various times, life happens. Sometimes we have plans, but sometimes God has other plans for us. Life just happens. And that life can be unpredictable sometimes, and it can be life-changing. Life, -changing. life uh, can be so unpredictable, there are good things that happen, and there are bad things that happen. But what we must learn to do is to roll with whatever life, whatever life throws at us. But sometimes life can be messy, just plain messy in its unpredictiveness. And life can be sometimes cruel. In our text this morning, we have Habakkuk looking out over his field and wondering and probably shaking his head, what am I going to do? My crop has failed. My crop has failed and that is my livelihood and that is 
where uh, the means for which I have to take care of my family, to feed my family, to clothe my family and myself and take care of all the needs we have just for our, uh, for our lives. Habakkuk was facing some consequences that he was not able to figure out how to handle. Now, we all go through situations in life. We think that we have it all together on one minute, at one minute, and then the next minute it all falls apart. Life happens and it happens in ways that we are not able to understand why it happens. That new job that we thought we were going to get, for some reason, they kept putting off the hiring date and then finally they told you, no, that job is unavailable. Life happens and you can't figure out how you're going to pay the rent. Now Habakkuk couldn't run down to the corner store and say, let me get something on credit, or nor could he run to the nearest bank to take out a loan, or look for a second job. You know, in this day and age, some things that we take for granted just were not available back in his day. So it is that he suffered with whatever he needed to deal with, and he just kept moving forward. But Habakkuk, instead of just breaking down and saying, hey, I give up, I'm gonna throw in the towel, he kept looking to God, looking to God because of his faith in God. He was saying to himself and to the world, yes, it doesn't look good, but I'm still going to rejoice. I'm still going to believe in the God who keeps me. And that's what we say when we deal with circumstances. Learning to roll with it is not easy because one day things look good, the next day they look bad. You can't pay the rent. You can't, you get a second job and then you can't get to the job because your car breaks down and you need to have that, because, that car because you're working on a time, with a time limit. As you think things are going to come together, then your health or somebody else's health in your family fails. Relationships fall apart. And now you're, instead of having two incomes, you have only one income to deal with. What is gonna happen next? Now in the case of some of you, it might be your kids or your grandchildren. Just when you think everything is okay, just when you think you got it all together, you figure out that you don't. How can you sing the Lord's song in those circumstances? When we go to a scripture in Psalms, the 137th Psalm, 
we find the Israelites under such pressure. They have been captured by their captors and their captors are demanding that they sing songs of Zion. Here they are along the Babylon River and they have sat down. They sat down and they wept because they did not feel they could go on. They may have thought they had it all together. Sometimes when you think you have things all together, you assume the best or assume other things are, everything's gonna be okay. But in the case of the Israelites, they had been captured by someone else and their captors were demanding that they sing. But they did not have the wherewithal to sing. In fact, they said, how can we sing the songs of Zion? How can we sing the songs of Zion in a foreign land? How can you sing if you have faith? You can sing because God is still there and God is with you at that time and God may see you struggling, but God is always, always doing something to make things better for you. God will not let you fall. Even when things look bleak, it may appear that all is lost. You may want to fall, hold up your hands and say, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. You may feel that you want to throw in the towel. You may say, I don't know what I want to, going, am I going to do? But stop and think. One of the best things you could do is remember who you are and whose you are and drop to your knees if you can. If you can't do it standing, say a prayer to the one who is always going to keep you. God will not let you fall. Sometimes things don't turn out the way we expect them to. Life unfortunately has a way of turning out differently than we expect. We make our own plans, but life is unpredictable. Expect the unexpected, because the unexpected sometimes is all you're going to get. I remember years ago, and this is probably something like 20 years ago, when we moved to Indiana, when my husband was going to school there, and I thought, oh, I can get another job. So I left my job when I was in Illinois, a full-time job, and I went to Indiana with him. And I went to, when I went to Indiana, I had three possibilities or four possibilities of jobs lined up. One by one, they all fell through. They were not hiring at that time. They had to put things on hold or 
the, uh, they just couldn't find enough money to make the job full-time or some other circumstances happen. And I ended up for the next two or three years piecing together job by job and doing different things that I wasn't used to doing. Then we turned around and when we moved to Kentucky, same thing happened. I had several jobs lined up, but oh, I was not qualified for this job or I was overly qualified for that job and I just did not know what I was going to do. As I said, life can sometimes give you the unexpected response or outcome than you are planning for yourself. I finally found a full-time job, but for some reason or another, probably because I was overly qualified for that job, it just was not working out and I found myself in dire circumstances. And as I was sitting, waiting to go into the um, a meeting with my supervisor, I didn't know what was going to happen. I thought maybe I was going to uh, get fired, and I started thinking in my head, well, what am I going to do? I guess I have to get out here and beat the pavement again looking for another job. Actually, I had already started looking for another job. I looked through what was then the newspaper and I said, well, maybe I can find a job. And uh, good thing I wasn't on this job long, so I maybe not even put that on my resume. But anyway, as I was sitting there, I felt very sad because I was not looking forward to going and looking for another job. And one of my colleagues walked by and she looked at me and she, she got in my face and she said to me, it ain't over until God says it's over. And I sat back and I said, well, what does she mean? But it reminded me to start praying again about the situation. I got called into the meeting and my supervisor was there with her supervisor and uh, who was the territorial um, uh, administrator for our area and they read me the riot act. They didn't fire me that day at that time but they said to me we're going to keep you on, but you are going to be monitored heavily and, you know, the whole spiel. They gave me a letter to sign that outlined every single step that I had to thing I had to do. I was going to be put on probation for another couple of months. I think it was like two or three months, which was a long time, uh, but I had about five or six things were on that letter and I had to sign the letter and my supervisor, my supervisor then stepped out of the room and I was still sitting there and um, the uh, district manager was wondering why she's still sitting there. 
I turned around and I gave him a letter. He may have thought it was my resignation letter, but he sort of took it with a snarl look on his face, saying, what is she doing now? What about, what she does she want me to do now? But the letter that I gave him was a letter of, a letter of, um, to uh, apply for a job that I had an was answering to a blind ad that I saw in the paper. I don't know if any of you remember blind ads in the paper uh, where they um, uh, put a blind ad in and they do not say what, what the, uh, who is, is putting the ad in, what agency you will be working for or anything. But anyway, the ad had outlined several um, things that they wanted in a person to be an early intervention specialist. I had never been an early intervention specialist. However, I, in, the, in, in Indiana and in Kentucky, I had pieced together several jobs and had gained all the skills that this person was looking for. And somehow, between myself and my husband, we had figured out that the, uh, the, the uh, uh, ad was for a job that was in the company I was already working for. And I had the nerve to apply for this job. Anyway, my supervisor kept reading the letter and he looked at me and he looked at the letter and he kept looking at me and he kept looking at the letter and I thought he was going to tell me to get out of his face. You're on probation. We're not, gonna, we're not even sure we're going to be able to keep you for the next couple of months. But then at the end of the letter, when he came to the end of the letter, I had put all the things that he had, was looking for in terms of qualification, and he said, this job, I said in this letter at the end, in bold print, and I mean bold print, enlarged bold print. This job has my name on it, and I want it. Now, anybody who knows me at that, do me at that time, I'm a very shy person. I don't usually speak up about things, but I spoke up that time. I spoke up because I needed a job, and I knew I needed a job. And all my supervisor could do when he, the, the, the district manager could do when he read that letter and he came to the end was laugh. And I thought at that point, okay, you tried your best, Betty, but you're going to be thrown out of here. He laughed and he said, meet me in my office in the morning, which was downtown. So I reported to his office. And after talking to me a while, he said to me, I've been looking for six months for someone to fill this position. It was a new position. The company was given, I don't know how, remember exactly how much money, but a big chunk of money to start a new program called an early intervention program. And my agency had been given the biggest bulk of that money. My agency had been given the biggest bulk of that money and they did not have 
the person to fill that position. He said he had been looking and he was getting a lot of resumes, but they either had one set of, of criteria was met and another set of criteria was not met. And he had to go and meet with the uh, people who had given the money. He had to meet with the uh, state in, in two days. And he had no one to present to them. And here I was, little old me, sitting under his nose. I walked up out of that meeting with the position and was presented in the, nec the next day to the state of Kentucky and came out of that meeting with a job and responsibility for 17 counties in Kentucky to start an early intervention program. Not something that was already done, but started from scratch. And I said to myself, all I could say was look at God. And I was reminded of what my colleague had said. It ain't over until God says it's over. Sometimes we look around at situations and we don't know how it's going to turn out. We don't know what things are going to look like. And I see sometimes you, some of you shaking your head. Sometimes at the blink of an eye, things change overnight. You think you have it all together, but it's you only thinking. Don't forget about God because God's hand is always in it. No matter what, if God has claimed you, but more importantly, if you have claimed God, God already knows who you are. God already knows what it is you needed. I didn't know it then, but I was really going to need that job because my husband's job was going to fold in a couple of months. It ain't over until God says it's over. So whatever is going on, when, even when things look the worst, even when things look bad, you need to turn toward the God who loves you, the God who says, I, am, I haven't give up on, given up on you. The world may sometimes give up on you, the world sometimes may not even believe that you're able to do what you can do. The world sometimes laughs in your face. The world sometimes, are, the people who are closest to you are the ones that try to bring you down. You don't get the information for something that you need when you need it. And you go on and you, 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 you step out there and put yourself in harm's way. But we have a God who loves us more than anything. A God who not just looks at our outer exterior, but a God that looks at the heart. A God that says, I'm taking care of you. You may not always see God's hand moving in your life, but it is still moving. Habakkuk stood there looking at his field, and he had these words, 
though the fig tree does not blossom and there is no fruit on the vines, though the field yields no olive because it has failed and the fields produce no food, though the flock is cut off from the fold, there are no cattle even in the stalls. Yet I will choose. Yet I will choose to rejoice. I will choose to shout in exaltation to the victorious God of my salvation. Because I have a God who loves me and will uphold me no matter what. Of the goodness of God. 